0: And we don't really have a moderator today because Mike's not with us, but this is DC Everything Else. Rob is the more experienced one of us, so we probably should hand off to him. <laughs> yeah. I'm the lazy one of us, apparently, because everybody's like, we did two books. I'm like, uh, I only did one. how so
1: stupid, fat one.
0: Joe, I only did one book. Oh, okay. Well, then we're going to have to be a, a sandwich between... Uh, between Kirk's or yeah, we could do a exactly. Kirk of me, a Kirk of you or something, because I don't want Kirk to have to, like, kill himself right off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so, so I guess well. we'll
2: introduce, as you said, this is DCEE with uh, me, Rob, and we've got Joe Crawford and Kirk Spencer. And unfortunately, Mr. Myers has been run ragged at work and he cannot join us.
0: Is he is is he just like doing a lot of overtime right now?
2: It sounds like he's working 12 hours a day. Oh, I, I, I don't I don't know, you know exactly what that entails, but right. I just I just see him posting that he's you know comes home exhausted and probably eats something and goes to bed and and starts all over again.
0: Yeah, well, we that's... miss you, Mike. Yeah, I, I I feel bad because I've been lazy with my reading lately. But uh, I just get home and I I had a not great doctor visit in December. So part of mine is I'm running on less calories than I used to in the old days.
2: So.
0: Ah. Yeah, I'm trying to trying to slowly get healthy. Christmas was not fun, man. <laughs>
2: not
0: having sweets and not having like fats. That was tough.
2: <laughs> yeah, I I, I, I actually that. uh I'm I'm trying to do a calorie counter which we did about seven years ago right and, and we were really successful but then we had kids and we got lazy and it's not we don't have time to cook and right uh, so we're trying to again now and and so far so good but it's only been three weeks so
0: yeah i'm kids are on... ruining everything don't they? No, that's no joke though, man. I always tell Kristen I got baby weight with uh, the kids because <laughs> you know I would I ate more and I was like eating the you know like the kids don't finish the fries so I do and that's yada, right, yada yada yada. Right. Hey, that's the like dad's up, job. You end up right.
1: choosing where you eat based on if they have a play place, right? And then you eat two or three of each kid's nuggets because they're not going to finish them. You finish their fries because you've paid money for it and you don't want to waste them. That's right. Next thing you know, you've had three meals (laughs)
0: full of crap.
1: (laughs) And then your son's going, why are you so fat dad?
0: (laughs) Well, and you know, it like we were talking, uh, uh, on Twitter about like cooking healthy. Like, you know they're saying okay steel cut oats do that instead of granola or oatmeal those boogers take 25 minutes to cook i ain't got 25 minutes in the morning
2: that's the thing that's yes the thing it's like who's got time for
0: this stuff yeah it's it's tough yeah so, it is but, and you know enough whining about me trying to get healthy and losing weight um <laughs> so uh what's everybody been up to lately
2: oh i've been trying to i've been trying to keep up on my uh on my current books it's it's uh, it, it's been tough um dcbs has kind of been on a weird schedule over the holidays and sure like things come late and then the next shipment comes early and I, you know i buy I, i've been buying a, a lot of books so it, it's it's hard to to keep up and that's one thing i like to do is is keep up on the current books right. and then i read older stuff um when i've got the extra time so it's finally started to settle down in the past week but before that it, it's been pretty nuts how,
0: yeah, how about I, you guys? I'm I'm so behind. I was telling Chris. Uh, Chris I was telling Kirk that uh, I'm super behind on um on uh new books. I'm at the point I've actually cut back my uh my order because I'm just I'm not getting stuff read. Yeah. But uh, I've been working on book books because like any downtime I have at work, I've been trying to get some book reading done. So. I don't know. People always say, yeah, hey, take comics to work. I don't like taking comics to work. They're, they're big. They take up a lot of room. I don't want to tear them up in my backpack. So, yeah, that's uh,
1: the main thing right there. I'll throw a hardcover in, in, in the car next to me, but I yeah. don't want to mess up a comic book.
0: Yeah, so I, I've been doing a lot of book reading lately because that's about the only free time I have is it like either in the car, like picking up the boys or at work. So I've been reading a, a lot of nonfiction. What about you, Kirk?
1: I am in the middle of a Max Allen Collins book called Nolan. One of our Twitter buddies recommended it to me, and I can't remember who recommended it. But I love his comic book work, especially Ms. Tree, and I've enjoyed his Quarry series about a hitman. So this is my first Nolan book.
0: That's cool. I got the Ms. Tree novel. I need to get around to reading that someday.
1: Yeah, that's, that's buried in Two Reed Mountain for me. I, I, it's one of those that, as soon as I bought it, I was like, I'm going to take this home and read this tonight. And then then tonight became tomorrow, and the next thing I know, I think I've had it for two years, and I still haven't read it.
0: <laughs> oh, I, I get that. I, I, think, I, I think I've I think told Kirk this. I don't, I don't know that you know this about me, Rob. I'll, I'll buy books, but to me, I always – the 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 monthly books come first so i want to read the the single issues first Mm -hmm. so i'll be working on my short box and you know now it's not like i got to read piles i got to read bookcases yep of of graphic (laughs) novels and Uh uh, and showcases or whatever just because i'll buy 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 and then i don't know if i'm ever going to get to them
2: you (laughs) were very similar like that well i'll you know, I'll keep buying collections and stuff, but my priority is getting through the current book. So, yep. you know, I, I might pick a a trade or an omnibus or, or what have you as like kind of the go to to maybe read on lunch or whatever. Sure. But I mean, it, it takes so long. I, I've got now going on five stacks, probably about two, two and a half feet high. Each stack is, is about that that high it's <laughs> it's not quite michael Myers, you know entire room where you can't open the door right but, but it's i mean if i just stopped buying comic books and just read those i i'd have enough reading material for the next few years
0: oh i i no doubt i think just my black and whites alone because because <laughs> you figure what's a showcase 25 issues something yeah. like that yeah uh, and, and i literally have like three bookcases with those and maybe only read like an eighth of them. <laughs> so yeah, I, I could, I wouldn't even need Marvel, Marvel unlimited or whatever. I could probably just read all the essentials.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: That's one reason why I don't mess with any of the digital stuff. Cause I already have so much physical to read. Right. There's just no point. I don't, I don't need to spend more money on something else when I usually have a lot of the physical copies buried in the two read box.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, Kirk. To your point, I, I just posted on Twitter maybe a, a week ago that I knew that my Marvel Unlimited was coming to an end uh, mid to end of February, and I I went on there and I I made sure that um, it's turned off, not not to renew because I mean, if I read seven issues digitally last year, that might have been it. And I mean, it's such a waste of money. And I, 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 like you said, I don't have I don't have the time. I've got so much physical material to read uh, when am i going to have time for the digital
0: yep the only thing i we had good experience with with the digital was uh i we had it for a little bit and my son was just plowing through stuff so i felt like it got its use that way oh, it's then, worth uh, it then, yeah yeah and then we did like um what's the viz media one uh shonen jump we had it for like one month and oh my gosh, he read the entire library in one month. So now he just does like the free chapters every week. So yeah, we're, we, we had had, you know, two programs and he was just reading so much that he like, he killed off like the, the shonen jump in like a month.
2: That's fantastic. How yeah. old is he?
0: He is, uh, let's see, about to be 12. Nice. Yeah.
2: Yep. I, I've got twins, um, boy and girl, they're both going to be seven next month. So they're still a little young, um, yeah, uh, Zach, you know he, he he's interested in superheroes and comic books and stuff, but not like I was even at seven years old. It's right. It's just one of many things that he's interested in, and it will take a backseat to a lot of other things, whether it's video games or Pokemon or right Lego or Transformers. You know, it's it, he doesn't have that same passion that I
0: did. My my youngest is uh, going to be seven in March. He's a rabbit holer like me. Mm-hmm. So like right right now everything's Nickelodeon and not new Nickelodeon. It's like, you know, the nineties Nick and the So he's <laughs> I like, I
1: thought in, you were gonna say you can't do that on television or something like that. No, more like the Ren
0: and Stimpy and Rugrats and Hey Arnold and he's just oh, it's gotta be like nineties Nickelodeon or he doesn't care. But like <laughs> in a month it'll be something new. Yeah. So but yeah. So uh we got a volunteer to go first. Kirk, you want to get one of yours knocked out first? That's sure, I'll, I'll do
2: well, one. As long as you've got two.
1: Well, I, I don't have to do them both, but I, I just thought we're that's what we them. were going to do. We'll, we'll do both. Joe said we'll he'd beat me up if I didn't.
0: I did yeah. not. I said i hunch your scalp.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I hope our regular listeners get that reference. <laughs> anyway, so for my first book, I chose Amazing Man Special from 1987. It's by Bob Rosakis, Stephen DeStefano, and Craig Baldwin, and I'm probably butchering every name. It's got a very cool cover from Stephen DeStefano and Carl Kiesel, is how I was told to pronounce it. I had always said Kessel before. I'm not sure. Both of them could be wrong. And shameless plug, be sure to check out. Carl Kiesel's Kickstarters for Impossible Jones and Section Zero trading cards on Kickstarter right now. They look super cool, and I want to get that stuff.
2: I and hope I, you're I, getting a discount on the on that uh, those Kickstarters after that. He plot. doesn't
1: know me from Adam, but I sure try to shine a spotlight on on creators that I enjoy, and I've been enjoying his work for decades.
2: Now. And, 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 and not to interrupt you before you get started, but I did back both of those uh, comic uh, offerings that uh, probably ended what Six
0: months to a year ago yes. yeah i did the um, impossible jones when it was last summer
2: yeah they both look great
1: yeah. they, they, he's sucking me in because not only do i love his art but he's got these uncut card sheets and it reminds me of the 90s and going sports card crazy <laughs> okay. and if you look at the uncut sheets then he can you also can get an ash can and i'm like golly the 90s are cool again
2: <laughs>
1: anyway th- this amazing man special i don't remember ever reading it i was telling joe before we got started that a lot of times what i've done is try to pick a comic that i've read before that i love and i want people other people to know about it and and hunt it down hopefully but this one either i've read it long enough ago that i've forgotten it or i've never read it
2: had had you read any of amazing man
1: i had read the the original 12 issue run
2: oh okay because i was gonna say that's what i'm familiar with that's i i i've got that as well
1: this is a follow up to the series, and there were, I think, at least three specials published. So it was moderately successful. And, and if you're not familiar with Amazing Man, it's a slice of life story. If your life includes uh, a man with no superpowers who stands 4'11, who thinks <laughs> he's a superhero, and his best friend is a dog faced boy who is a comic book writer. So <laughs> it's not. <laughs> It, it certainly didn't appeal to the masses in the 80s. It's amazing we got 12 issues and a few specials, but it was – I think most people who read it really enjoyed it.
0: So it, was, it wasn't Top Dog and Joey then basically is what It wasn't saying.
1: Top Dog and Joey. They, these characters are presented as real people and takes themselves seriously, but for some reason the main main character Amazing Man and his best friend Denton meet in an insane asylum. Now, Denton was there because he was dealing with the grief of his parents having passed away, but nobody ever really explains why Amazing Man, the guy with his underwear on the outside of his pants, was in the insane asylum. (laughs) But this issue opens up with Denton having been called to the offices of B.C. Comics. He's a comic book writer. He's a writer of Splendid Pup. And he's fully expecting to be fired with uh, BC having changed hands recently. And as he's walking through the city, we're introduced to the rest of the supporting cast. And we learn that amazing man has been missing for months and that his friends, Brenda and Eddie are expecting their first baby and that their friend Guido is teaching their other friend KP how to drive. And as the kids like to say, hijinks ensue because Guido is not a good teacher. KP is not a good driver. Eddie is about to lose his mind over this baby coming. Brenda is worried about keeping her job because she's on maternity leave. She's not leaving her company. And as we progress through the issue with all these people dealing with all their issues, we learned that Amazing Man not only went missing – but he went down to Florida to meet the pre- previous owner of BC Comics and somehow managed to purchase the company from him so that he can secure a job for his best friend, Denton Fix. He's, he's going to make him the writer emeritus. He's, he's always going to be the writer of Splendid Pup. So the, the, it's, a, it's a really nice story. It's the only complaint I have is that my old eyes are having trouble reading the small lettering in the book. It's a little bit bigger than digest lettering, but it doesn't look to be the standard. And I loved it. I loved it when I read this style as a kid. It really fit the book. But today I was playing the trombone as I pulled the book back and forth, trying (laughs) to get my eyes to focus on it.
2: But uh, you and I are the same age. You're 1972? yes. Yes. Yes, Micho and and I noticed that in the past couple of years. Seems to be-
0: yeah, there was a there was a letterer, um what was her name? Janice Chang. Yes. Uh she, she plays havoc with my eyeballs. And I, I I remembered that was a very distinctive style, uh I wanna say maybe late eighties, early nineties, and now I see Janice Chang and I'm like, uh I know I'm gonna suffer the entire comic.
1: Well and, and I like the style of it. It's right. very aesthetically pleasing. But boy, did I have a hard time today reading it for the first time in, in golly, 30 years or whatever.
0: Right, right. But,
1: but there was a, a wonderful surprise for me in the back of the comic. As they mentioned people who have written fan mail to them lamenting the cancellation of the 12 issue series. And even pointing out that Frank Miller was a fan of the book. And that's how they got him to do a cover for issue number 12 and there's my name listed in the in the column as people who have written in
0: and that is awesome
1: I I suppose it's possible I saw it upon publication but I had no memory of it I'm just flipping through and I'm reading the letter column looking for what I was looking for was a creator who I recognized the name of as a fan back then and then I was like hey <laughs> that's me
0: well, you know, you never got your no prize, but you got printed. That's that's pretty cool.
1: That's pretty cool. I I I was thrilled. So now now I have to make a notation on this issue. So when I'm dead, if y'all see the KS listed on the back of the backer board, that means my name's in that book somewhere.
0: Now now, did you say how much that one cost? The cover price on this is two dollars U.S. Okay, that's a pricey one. Two
1: eighty five in Canada. And eighty pence in the U.K.
0: So that was like an extra size one.
1: It's an it's an oversized special. It's well worth hunting down, especially if you have good eyes. <laughs> um, the artwork is if you're not familiar with Amazing Man, this was a fun story. It took a little while for Amazing Man to appear because he's missing, but you really get to know his supporting cast, and I really related to Eddie. Especially when Brenda says it's time to go to the hospital, Eddie, Eddie loses it. And I was like, that was me. That, what do I need to do? So uh, you think you think you have a plan until your wife says it's time to
0: go. Oh, my gosh. I got a quick pregnancy story. Uh, my wife uh, was having contractions, but she's like, ah, uh, it's fine. They're false ones. I'm okay. And I was, I was exhausted from work, and uh, I was like. Hold on one second. I'm getting a little bit of an echo. Okay, is that okay? Everybody hear me? Okay.
2: Sounds okay to me.
0: Okay. I can
1: hear. You. I can hear you good, Rob or Joe. Rob, you're a little faint.
0: So um. Anyway, so Kristen said, yeah, you go to bed. Everything's fine. Nothing will happen until tomorrow. So I go and uh, take some Tylenol PM man, it was one of those where I just hit deep sleep and she's like, nope, time to go to the hospital. And boy, when it does finally hit, cause that was my first one. You really are, <laughs> you're discombobulated. And you know, And in my case, I was probably like not even fit to drive because of the medication. But yeah, its it does hit, it hits you and you're just like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do?
1: That's funny because my wife and I were both on night shift at the time. And I had just taken Tylenol PM, took two of them, (laughs) and uh, that's when she had gone to take a shower to get ready for bed, and this is, I don't know, 2 o'clock in the afternoon or whatever, and I had probably just laid down, and she was coming in behind me, and then she came in there and said, "Uh, we need to get ready and go to the hospital.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Right. I haven't read any of this amazing man since it was originally published. So yeah, you're talking 30 years ago.
1: I really enjoyed it. It, it, it took me a, a, a few pages to really get into it because I had the only thing I really remembered was amazing man himself. But once I started getting into, into it and the art style, I, I love Steven Destefano's art and it, it just really, really took me back. And I was like, man, I missed this series.
0: Yeah, that was one I don't think I ever read because at least at the time it was one I never remember seeing on the spinner rack, and that was at a point in my life I don't think if I was going to a comic book store it would have been Comics Castle and it would have hinged on an orthodontist appointment and my mom willing to stop. Right. So, uh, so you know I didn't get I didn't get to comic stores very often and usually if I got there I was I was kind of like you I was trying to get like a uh, you know. Uh, Braves baseball card set and like the newest G.I. Joe and I was happy if she let me get that, you know.
1: Yeah, that that's a good day if you get some baseball cards and a G.I. Joe.
0: I know, that was always my goal when we went in there. <laughs> All right, Rob, you want me to go or you want to go? I
2: can go, it's fine. Um, okay. I, I'm wondering if either one of you have any familiarity with, with what I'm going to cover next because I... I bought this uh we have a a store that it's more of a um it's more of a a sporting sporting goods i mean cards but also like uh sports memorabilia but they have a big comic section as well and they have tons of 50 cent boxes so i ended up getting issue one and two a couple years ago of uh the 1988 uh, unknown soldier it was a oh, twelve yes. issue miniseries. Did you've read this, Kirk?
1: Yeah, I read it. Prob- okay. Not not right when it came out because I I think I bought most of them out of bargain boxes,
2: mm-hmm. but uh
1: because I didn't have access to a comic store at the time. But yeah, I, I read it maybe a year after it came out.
2: Yeah, I mean I I didn't know what to you know I bought them because it's on soldier, but I, I didn't know what to expect. Um, so I pulled the first issue out um last night and I I read it today and. Man, I really en- enjoyed this this first story. Now, it looks like it might jump through time because I did just peek through the the second issue. And it looks like it picks up like seven years after the first. Um, but anyhow, so this is 1988, Unknown Soldier Number 1 uh, by James Owsley, a.k.a. Christopher P- Priest, a.k.a. Priest. Um, and Phil Gasko. Guess- Gascoigne.
1: i have no idea how to pronounce his name I, i'm
2: not familiar forgive, with his, forgive us phil yeah i'm not familiar <laughs> with his with his work but i mean he, he did a fine job here um so this was cool because um even though the first the the, the cover of the first issue actually shows what you kind of w- would expect from the un- unknown soldier like during world war ii like he's he's dressed in those types of fatigues you see a german tank burning in the background you see german soldiers lying on the ground dead um despite that it's actually set in 1970 in um uh cambodian and, and vietnam so it's it's actually during the vietnam uh war so Uh, What what's what happens at the beginning of this is you've got um, the unknown soldier is is basically um, disguised as a a Russian colonel who's uh, he's undercover uh, pretending to be in league with this uh, Dutch arms dealer who's supplying weapons to the Viet Cong and uh, unknown soldier ends up he was sent there obviously on a mission. And he ends up um, getting betrayed uh, in that his backup was supposed to come and basically at the at the end of this particular arms deal, um, so, uh, American soldiers were supposed to invade and he was supposed to catch this Dutch arms dealer and so on and so forth. But instead, uh, Viet Cong uh, come and start shooting everyone and he barely escapes. He kills the Dutch arms dealer. But um, – he, he manages to, to get away and also with a type of, a um, uh, not not an invoice, but basically like a inventory um, statement for some arms that came to the Viet Cong that weren't from uh, Russia, who they suspected is dealing in arms with the Viet Cong, but from the United States Army. So he's wondering where this came from. He manages to get away. And you see him changing disguises throughout the um, throughout the issue, uh, to the point where he's very rarely in that you know stereotypical bandaged face look. He's basically always wearing an actual like disguise. So it's kind of cool. It does flash back and give a lot of his um, his revised origin story here of you know obviously a later date than World War II. Um, in which his, his mother had passed away. His his dad was very hard on him um, for some reason. So he, he had an older brother and I'm not sure, it doesn't really explain why this happened, but he was almost propping up his older brother who was very, um. he's very nervous, very uh, meek. Uh, he kept propping him up in front of his dad. And w- what that, what that, came of is that the dad was constantly ragging on um, the unknown soldier a, as a boy rather than his brother. Cause he, he kept on making his brother look like the all-star, even when it was really him, he would, you know, he, the dad would show him target practice and, and, and so forth. And um, he constantly like he'd miss. And then his, his brother would shoot a couple and then, so the dad would start making fun of, of him and, uh, you know, telling his brother what a great job he did. And then like, they have a scene, like, you know, they go inside the house and he, he goes back out, takes the rifle and shoots like bullseyes every time. So didn't really, under, uh, didn't really a hundred percent explain why exactly he was pretending to be the way he was. Right. Um, but I mean, interesting none, nonetheless, but, um, I remember
0: reading that a few years ago and I just took it as he was just trying to be protective of his brother because his dad kinda was a jerk. Yeah. So and so he was doing it kinda like, Okay, I'm gonna make him look good. I'm willing to I'm strong enough to, to, you know, be ragged on because I know how good I am and you know, dad can like him better that's how i took it if i remember it right it's been a while since i've read it no
2: you know what i think you've got it in in the way that you're explaining it and and now i'm as i'm talking about it out loud that that makes a lot of sense i i I think that's exactly it i think he felt that his brother just could not and you'll see later as as this issue goes on his brother would not have been able to handle his dad right um, berating him whereas he knew he could handle it um and he didn't care. So yeah, I, I think you got it exactly right. He was, he was really protecting his brother from uh, his father, if, no, if nothing else. Yeah. Um, because later in the book, it just, it shows them in, um, world war two. And, uh, it, it, his brother pulls a, a pin out of a grenade and pretty much just totally freezes and doesn't, uh, excuse me for the dog. Um, and, uh, he just he doesn't he doesn't do anything with it and, and and it blows up of course it kills his brother and and it leaves him you know bandaged it like the unknown soldier so that's how he actually got his bandages right um so yeah it, you're absolutely right so um he manages to get um out of vietnam and, and he's got this um this like inventory uh list of everything that came from uh, the U.S. Army to the Viet Cong, and he manages uh, with the help of a of a private that he kind of enlists into his service. Um, he finds out uh, uh, who that there was this general that was basically for his own benefit selling these arms. And at first he was going to, um, he was he was on board with this mission that the unknown soldier was doing to get rid of this arms dealer. But then, as other things came to light, he basically um, uh, put, a mission, put that mission uh, to an end, but didn't tell the unknown soldier. And then also wanted to uh, was hoping that the Viet Cong would, would kill the un- unknown soldier at the same time. So he confronts this general uh, in a, at a fancy um, dinner and basically tells him that he knows, you know, everything that that he did, um, but he goes back to his room and he's talking to the private private leaves and he's having himself a drink and, but it ends up being drugged and, and he starts passing out and a couple of uh, uh, guys in, in, in masks come and start beating him up. And the uh, general comes in and, and, and says, you know, you've got nothing on me. He grabs the, the inventory uh, list and burns it. And he says, you know, hell, I, I would kill you, but, you're dead already. And he just throws the burning paper to the ground and leaves uh, the unknown soldier uh, collapsed on the floor. And that's the end of the issue. And so I kind of looked uh, at the second issue to see if it kind of picked up where it left off. And from what I can see, it looks like it starts uh, years later. So I don't know in Kirk or, or Joe, I don't know if you guys are familiar enough, uh, like are each one of these kind of like independent stories with like a, like kind of a, a narrative throughout or, or do they really, or, or does it end up picking up where this left off? And I just, because I only looked at the first page of the second second issue. Do you guys remember it all?
1: I want I, to say there was a, an overarching thread, but that. That's even kind of. The, series, even miniseries back then were good about telling a tale in one issue, but then it would be a carryover yeah, to the next issue.
2: That's the impression that I got, that there might be a, a, a thread going through. But that it was like highlighting different things throughout the years, or or what have you.
0: Yeah, that reminds me of uh, is it uh, the Jason Aaron run right now on Conan Hell? It's basically done in one issue, but he'll have like the twins at the very end of each issue, right? Kind of like yeah. just to tie it together. I don't know, because uh, funnily enough, the only one I have is the one you've read. Um, <laughs> that's one of those I'd like to get more of, because yeah, yeah it, it was it was a good book.
2: I mean, this was fantastic. Definitely, I mean, it doesn't have those Christopher Priest um, tropes that, that he has now with the, like the, the panels that are just black with the white writing and stuff like that. I mean, this is years ago, obviously. They're talking like 32 years ago. But, I mean, you could tell even though, that. I mean, he was a terrific, he was a terrific um, writer, and I would love to read the rest of this. I'm going to have to find the other 10 issues because I only own uh, issue one and two. But yeah, this was this was great. I highly, highly recommend picking this up and and hopefully the rest of the series is is just as good.
0: Yeah, I I remember thinking how good that book looked, too, because I think that's one of the new format books, right? It is. yep. Yeah. It's nice pages, just really good, clean looking book. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I think I would enjoy it more now than I did back then. When I read it as a teen, I was disappointed that it wasn't say, my unknown soldier. Mm-hmm. It retold yep. the, the story of how he became the unknown soldier. It changed it a little bit. Um, and it wasn't a World War II set story. A lot more political intrigue and subplots that I probably didn't even get as a teenager. Yep. So it's one that I I think now I'd probably be like, oh, that's good.
2: <laughs> I, I, I totally agree. And I, and I was thinking about that actually on the way home from work today. So I'm like, 1988, I'm like, I was... You know, deep into getting comic books right at, at the actual comic book store, I'm like, I, that's the only thing I can think of. Is I didn't bother picking those up because they weren't World War II stories, and I'm like, well, this isn't the, really the Unknown Soldier. I don't, I'm not interested in this. Right. But, I mean, in retrospect, this was a fantastic story.
1: and it what? cost more too. It wasn't the standard, the price that right.
2: yeah. new format. I think,
1: yeah, they'd... I think it was a quarter more, maybe fifty cents more.
2: Yeah, I mean but... these were a dollar fifty. I don't know what it, what regular comics were going for. Oh like, yeah, that that probably
0: was at least a, a fifty cents more.
2: I would guess fifty cents too. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: you know that would if I if it wasn't worth. I think I bought the first issue new and then waited and got the others at a discount because the the first issue cover was really good it really you know like you described with the burning tank in the background yeah i was like oh yeah oh yeah unknown soldiers <laughs> back baby that's right and, and then then with all the political subplots I was like well this this this
2: isn't <laughs> this, this isn't my
1: unknown soldier and, and he's supposed per- to be like in hitler's fortress and looking like goebbels or something you know yeah. this isn't this isn't right
2: no not at all um, in, in, in Kirk, in terms of ads, there's a lot of in-house ads, but you all, you also, uh, there was an ad to meet the band that made music matter again. You too, the unforgettable fire, <laughs> all but right. Irish journalist, Eamon Dumphy. It's the uncensored, unforgettable story. So I guess it's, uh, it's a little retrospective, on you too, back in 1988, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I I think one thing, too, maybe with it being 1988, um, think about we had Platoon, Tour of Duty, uh, the Nam comic book from uh, Marvel. Yep. Vietnam was like very much in the in the uh, pop culture eyeball at that point. Right. Uh, probably, I think, more so than World War Two. I think it's back to World War Two now. Yeah. Uh, but I think it I, I don't want to say like a war was hot, but, you know, <laughs> the popular war. It, it was
1: a, <laughs> it was it was a popular subject.
0: It was a popular really, subject matter. There you it go. It was
1: everywhere. It,
0: right. And maybe that's why they like, OK, this is in the gestalt now. So let's let's do a uh, Update it to Vietnam. Yeah, yeah. I, I
2: think so. And when you think about it, things tend to start getting popular again, like a good 20 year. Not. You know, I mean, people start becoming interested again right. like, years mm-hmm. later because it's those again. It's the you know like people that grew up in that time now are are adults and kind of revisiting that type of stuff. So yeah, right. absolutely.
0: Uh, and I think that happened with World War II. I, it was probably Spielberg, you know, doing you know Schindler's and Private Ryan, and then after those movies, it was all World War II stuff all over again. You know, but yeah. yeah. I, I think everything's kind of cyclical, and we probably, you know, are ten years away from another Vietnam boom where there's going to be a, a, a different side of this story told this go round or what I, have you, you, know. I
2: think that World War II is is going to continue to be um, a, a, a popular subject, just and that it was unique and that it's very you can you can pose it anyhow right. as very black and white. Like yes. very good against evil, you, right. you know what I mean? Like right. there's there's little very little gray uh, there, and it, it, it lends itself to to that type of you know storytelling. And uh, I, I I think it'll always, uh, even years from now, I think there'll always be some interest in that, just because of that. I mean, it's just I mean even now it's like you know unbelievable that these things literally happened. Right.
1: It's it's hard to imagine that. You know, in our parents' and grandparents' lifetime that such an incredible evil rose to such power. Mm -hmm. You know, we were on the brink of, you know, speaking German. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it's just hard to imagine that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it really is uh, unbelievable. Well, one last thing, and then I'll jump into my book. Sure. Um, when you were saying about the fact that you might not have picked it up because it wasn't your unknown soldier, that was kind of how I felt when they did that uh, Men of War with the DC uh, New Fifty Two. Right. Uh, that, I'm like, I this isn't World War Two. Uh, I, I, you're throwing in a superhero. Uh, I'm out. You know, I I didn't want to read like modern war. I didn't want to read you know them meeting superheroes in the sky or whatever (laughs) happened you know guys doing like a flyby. i'm like that didn't interest me so i did the same thing when they did the 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 trial of the war books uh from dc and i want to support war books but i read one issue of that and i'm like nope this isn't for me no i i agree with you and and i
2: I think again it lends itself like i I just prefer i i mean i just find and maybe it's i mean i think that you guys would probably agree but Maybe it's not everyone, but I, I just find that World War II era so fasc- fascinating and so ripe to tell stories, even after all these years. That it's like when we got a Men of War. It's like really, we're doing, you know, we're in the Middle East. Like, come on, get it, give us a World War II
0: tale.
1: Right. Yeah, that's and what even, I wanted.
0: <laughs> even Black Hawks, they turned it into GI Joe with superpowers. Yeah and i mean i'm like and i'm a huge aviator uh, fan you know airboy blackhawks that was my thing and i'm like no i i can't do this i really want to but i can't <laughs> yeah okay gunfighters number 60 today mm. i'm going to be the charlton guy it seems like we have at least one charlton book every podcast i'm going to make <laughs> sure that happens today so this is a. Uh, like a lot of these Charlton books by the time the 80s hit, this is basically reprints. So as I hit the story, I'll give you the year it was printed uh, previously. Um, So the first one we've got in here uh, was uh, Kid Montana and Origin of the Kid. And this was originally printed in 1957 in an issue of Kid Montana. So we're on the open range and this family's traveling along and They finally find a place they want to settle down. So it's a man, a woman, and a baby. Well, literally, they get out of the wagon, and all of a sudden, these Native American warriors surround them. Ma and Pa are killed, and the baby's, you know, left alone to die. But luckily, a nearby party sees uh, Smoke and comes and rescues the child. And they named him Montana, because that was the area they were in at the time, and they decided to raise him as their own. Cool thing! Kid uh, Montana's adopted brother is none other than Geronimo. And I'm going to go ahead and, you know, in my head canon, that's the real Geronimo because that makes it more interesting. So Uh, uh,
1: anything's
0: possible
1: in a comic.
0: Right. So uh, they're competitive as youngsters. So, uh, you know, Geronimo and the kid are always trying to outdo each other. And one day Geronimo is uh, hunting a bear and he freezes up and Montana saves him. And, you know, uh, Geronimo gets all bent out of shape. And when uh, the chief asks Geronimo, why are you so upset about this? Uh, Geronimo says, the white men come in numbers like leaves on the tree. Here we seek to honor one who would destroy us. So Montana's like, what are you saying? Is, are these words true? Or the, are white people really trying to destroy, destroy the tribe? And the chief tells him about this guy this traitor gork. And uh, basically this traitor is giving the Apache bum deals every time, you know, he takes advantage of them. He gives them whiskey and, you know, he's just a bad news, but there's a treaty between the Apache and the whites that prevent them from fighting or doing anything about it. But since Montana's like, well, you're telling me I'm a white guy. Well, I'm going to go find this white guy. So he heads into town and he changes from Montana to kid Montana gunfighter. So basically, he puts on some, you know, dudes and gets ready. So he finds Trader Gork at a watering hole. Haul, haul, haul. So after them Apache had his fill of fire water, I traded him two and a string of beads for all his fur worth $400. Haul, haul, haul. So the kid goes up to Trader Gork and challenges that. him to a fight. And Gork agrees to a fist fight. But, of course, you know, he's about to throw fists and he pulls a gun. And while in the time Gork shoots one bullet, the kid has shot five. You win, mister. I'm leaving. So he's run Gork out of town. Well, while he's in town fighting Gork, Geronimo took this time to attack a supply wagon. And the kid, you know, it's got like this nice page montage of, All the wonderful times he had growing up with Geronimo and how sad that they're going to be on opposite sides. But the kid, you know, he has to help with the townspeople. So uh, he teams up with the townspeople and shows them what they have to do. And they run Geronimo out of town. So the kid goes back to his home and finds an angry brother. Look, my people, the traitor returns. You're a coyote that bite the hands that feeds it. The kid pushes past Geronimo to talk to the chief, who all, as it turns out, is actually dying. And the chief says to him, these last words, your place is with your people. Go to them. So Montana no more. Kid Montana leaves with a heavy heart. The end. So, and that's our first story. And uh, the next one, I don't know if this was a catalog story or what do they call that? What do they call the stories like when they're in a drawer? A file story? What do they call it? Inventory. Inventory. I'm wondering if this is an inventory story. Um, it's pretty slight. There's not much to it, so it's, it's quite possible. Um, I couldn't find any credits on it, like what it's reprinted from or anything. But anyway, it's a Wyatt Earp uh, story, five-pager, called The Joker's Wild. So Wyatt is uh, lassoing a man named Pep who is punching out a local businessman. Pep's boss, Arden, barks at Earp, Pep's on my payroll! Well, Erp retorts, Well, he's getting the best sale in the house. Turn him loose or I'll put a slug through that badge back to front. Pow, blam, whack. I can't do the great uh, sound effects that Mike did. We miss you, Mike. I'm sorry. You were always the good one with the sound effects. I'll do what I can. So anyway, Earp knocks Arden out. Pick him up, Pep. You two can share a cell. So then Arden's crew rallies to rescue their boss at a local saloon. They're sitting around getting drunk, figuring out how they're going to rescue Arden. And this is going to be a theme throughout this five pages. Uh, The townspeople keep giving uh, Wyatt Earp crap about doing his job. You can't drive tail crews out. This town's going to die. And all of a sudden, the gang attacks Earp. Yip, yip, yippee. Ride the marshal down. Dance, Wyatt, dance. So Earp managed to capture one of them. Keep it up, gents. I'll keep you all behind bars. The townspeople once again start griping we going to get rid of you, White Earp. You're ruining Abilene as a trail town. You a fool. Well, this gunfighter hired by Arden comes to free him. Luther Berg. Wyatt recognizes the gunslinger, but he defeats, he defeats him really quickly. Blam, blam. Now, of course, the wishy-washy folk love him. He's like, oh, you can have the badge. We love you. Don't leave, Marshall. Don't quit. You're the best man ever to come to Abilene. The end. Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> basically, uh, it's, uh, half the story is the town people giving him crap. And then, of course, they turn around and love him at the end of the story. So, And that was the Wyatt Earp. And like I say, I think that was uh, an inventory story because I couldn't find anything on that one. So the very last one is the one I think Kirk is most excited for, and that's uh, the Texas Rangers in Action from 1956 from Texas Rangers in Action, and the story's called The Apache with the Badge. Now, the cover of the comic is the exact same as the splash page here, and I'm guessing because it was a reprint and Charlton was notoriously cheap, all they did was use the splash page as the cover. The, the verbiage, everything's the same. Literally, all they did was scrap the uh, uh, strap, uh, put the little topper across the top of it, and otherwise, it's the exact same thing. So I wonder. I, yeah, go ahead. I don't
1: mean to interrupt you, but I, I wonder, as an art collector, did they chop up that interior page, you know, make a stat copy or something, and then recreate the cover, or vice versa? Because I, Charlton was so cheap, they'd be like, "I'm only paying this guy to draw this one time."
0: Oh, I bet, I bet they reused it. They probably were like, what story do we have the splash page we could use as a cover? And that's probably why they printed it. That's that's how cheap they always struck me, you know. So they're like, hey, that splash page will work as a cover. Get that one from 56, you know. I don't Sounds know. Sounds good. Because uh, they're the company that was like, uh, they would use like the art boards to like soak up brain water and stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> If that's the story I've heard. Um, <laughs> that literally, the they would just the, like if they needed a doorstop and there was a piece of art laying around, to say, "Hey, grab that piece of e-man and shove it in the door." We got wind coming through. I Can don't you know. Can
2: imagine
0: that? It's 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 obscene. Yeah. But anyway, Apache with the badge. So we've got Fire and Sunhead, and Sunhead is also named Cleat Foster, and they're fighting to the death. And apparently, they've danced this dance many times. Sunhead lunges and apparently falls into FireEye's knife, but luckily FireEye had dropped the knife and just gut-punched him instead. Turns out Sunhead is also a Texas Ranger. He's come back home to arrest FireEye for stealing cattle. FireEye punches him again and rides away on his horse. Well, a friend leans over and tells Sunhead, An Indian agent lied, Sunhead. The agent is a thief, sells guns and whiskey to the Comanches in the Badlands. Well, right after him, uh, Cleet, excuse me, riding after him, Cleet's fired upon. Get across the river while I'm wearing the badge. We're on opposite sides. So finally, Cleet heads to the Indian agency to see if what uh, he had heard from his uh, fellow tribesmen was true. And he ran into this fellow, Agent Alton Gregg. Cleet confronts him and he demands to see the warehouse. So as he's leaving, Greg leans over to him and says, do it in the warehouse, Ace. I use a Comanche <laughs> spear, boss." <balls." laughs> oh, boy. So anyway, instead of corn, Cleet finds rifles. And then a spear is thrown at him and it misses. Cleet fires, blam, blam. His would-be killer is dispatched. So Cleet uh, strips away his uh, Texas Ranger clothes and becomes Sudhead. I love how all these stories uh, have the guy who goes from being Indian to uh, a white fella in some kind of uniform and literally it is just taking off their shirt. And that's how they go from being, uh, you know, a tribesman to being like a Texas Ranger or a tribesman to being a gunfighter. But whatever. So he strips down. Now he's Sunhead again. And he follows the the, uh, the agent to uh, uh, the Comanche uh, base. And he's decided he's going to stop him. So the best way, of course, to stop somebody is to set a fire. So he immediately starts a brush fire. I don't know. This just seems like a bad idea. But um, the Comanche catches
1: Smokey the Bear would not approve.
0: Well, I don't know if I approve. But uh, the Comanche (laughs) catches him in the act, and just about as Cleet is about to meet his maker, of course, Fire Eye, his his brother, swoops in, and um, so he's rescued. But of course, this fire that he set. Hits the ammunition, everything explodes, and the Comanche camp gets burned down. And hopefully, nothing else, but they don't really tell us. Fire Eye offers to be turned in now, but Sunhead declines. Greg is the criminal. I, Sunhead, will someday return to become an Apache once more, only when my work is done with the Texas Rangers. The end. So, and that was Gunfighters number 60 from May 1980 for 40 cents. Bravo, nice. Bravo. Yeah, I really, I really like the Wyatt Earp one, but the, like I say, the the fact that like it was just one of those typical, we hate you, we hate you. Oh, you saved us, we love you. You know, <laughs> it, it, it's fun, but it also kind of grates you at the same time. Yeah. But I,
1: I, I love the voices. Are, are you at all related to the band who played Mr. Haney on Green Acres? because I felt like one of those characters was based on Mr. Haney, which just gave me extra enjoyment.
0: (laughs) Uh, I just try to keep them straight as I'm doing them, which I don't know that I always do. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Kirkus, you ready?
1: I suppose so. I will uh, wrap this one up with my second book. It is Sergeant Rock, of course. Uh, Cover dated February 1987 with a 75 cent, cover price here in America, $1 in Canada, and only 40 pence in the UK, Sergeant Rock number 414, as the cover tells us with some beautiful Joe Kubert art, it's a Christmas combat classic, it features the Sarge holding his machine gun as he looks off at a bright star with a woman who appears to be pregnant riding a donkey with a man behind her. Hmm, sounds like a familiar Christmas story we may all know a little bit about. It opens up with Rock having a flashback to A Christmas Long Ago. It says, from Christmas 1917, and Rock looks to be about 10 in this flashback, which would mean he was probably in his 30s during World War II. I've heard a lot of complaints about how Rock is drawn too old, but uh, apparently Rock was in his 30s, at least as far as DC continuity goes.
0: I always That's just it. took him as he's had a hard life. I mean, he's a sergeant that they move all over the the Eastern Front in Africa. So I mean, he just he just looks tired.
1: Well, war does things to a man, anyway. Right. And then he was a boxer before he was a soldier. Right. So right. I never gave what is it your much number, thought. was it again? This is number four fourteen. Four fourteen close to the end of the run. Yep. And I, I just thought it was neat to see his age there. And, and, and this is another one where I may have read it before, but it's been long enough that I don't remember it. Chances are I never read it. So it was a treat to read a Sergeant Rock. But uh, it, it features the, it starts off with Rock having a flashback to a Christmas long ago when he got a letter from his dad, who was a Sergeant in world war one. And he tells Rock of the story of the battle they were having that they paused on Christmas Day and all came out to no man's land and Rock enjoys this story and he's missing his dad and he holds a snow globe with a nativity scene in it, which, as you learn in this issue, that's a little bit of what the kids call foreshadowing. But uh, Rock is in snowy Italy with Easy Company and they're coming up on a village, and Rock's combat antenna goes off as he notices that none of the houses have smoke coming out of the chimneys. These these villagers should have fires going. So he tells everybody to split up and get the bazooka team ready, when all of a sudden here comes a German tank crashing out of one of the buildings towards Easy. Rock calls out to short round and long round to stop that tank, but the shot doesn't have any effect on the tank. So Rock decides... If the bazooka doesn't do it, I'll go to the old trick of shoving a grenade down the barrel. Well, as he says, the grenade and the 88-millimeter shell meet in the turret and blow the top off the tank. Well, the infantry comes in behind the tank, and when there's a good bit of hand-to-hand fighting. And at the end, Rock just looks weary. He just looks tired, and he tells the guys to secure the perimeter. He's going to go out on a recon patrol. He heads out and he says and it starts snowing again and he checks his compass and his compass is going screwy. The needles are flipping all around the dial. And out of the snowstorm, here comes a man leading a donkey with a pregnant woman on top. Rock's like, What are you doing out in this snowstorm? And they're looking for a shelter. It is Giuseppe and Maria. And Rock says, Joseph and Mary? And Giuseppe corrects him. No, Signora, I am Giuseppe. And this is my pregnant wife, Maria. Well, Rock tells him he doesn't know where they can go for shelter, that he's on patrol. Best of luck to you. And he heads out. Well, of course, Rock finds some more enemy infantry and decides that the best thing he can do is try to lead them away from Giuseppe and Maria. So he plays rabbit and runs off into the woods in front of the infantry and somehow manages to get away and get back to Giuseppe and Maria to try to help them get away from the patrol before they're spotted. They find a little cave and decide to seek some shelter, and Rock is sitting outside watching for the enemy, when all of a sudden here comes Little Sure Shot, and he asks Little Sure Shot, do you know anything about having kids? And Little Sure Shot says, sure, sure. Indians have kids all the time, rock. So so somehow, (laughs) somehow little sure shot becomes the, the doctor in this. And he goes inside to help Giuseppe and Maria while rock stays outside to keep an eye out for the enemy patrol. Well, the patrol comes up in force and tells rock to surrender and for everybody in the cave to come out. And he tries to explain to the German who apparently understands English, which is convenient that, uh, he can surrender but that there's a mother and child about to be delivered in there and that there there's nothing he can do about them just leave them alone but he'll surrender and the germans look in and say well it is christmas and they decide that there will be no more killing today and they decide to leave rock little sure shot and the new family to be and they head back to easy company after the kids are born rock's compass is working again and they head out in the snowstorm to head back to easy under the light of the star. And I thought that was just a nice little holiday tale. It was written by Bob Kaniger with art by Andy Kubert. And it's nice to see the early Andy Kubert work. I remember how excited I was about Andy Kubert taking over for his dad on the, on the book. He's so got a
0: nice. What's that? I was going to say, I really like that. That was good.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and it's got a two-page letters page. And one of the letters I really liked was from Larry Fiesta of Bayshore, New York, who tells him, I've been reading Sergeant Rock for a long time, and I will keep on reading the Sergeant Rock tales as long as you come out with them. Robert Kaniger, who was apparently answering the letters, says, I wish there were a million of you, Larry. (laughs) And Larry, I do too. It would have been nice to have some more folks in there. There's a house ad for the 1985 Eagle Awards, which lists all the awards that DC won. I don't see Atari Force on the list, which, which hurts my heart, but it was the year of Swamp Thing and Crisis on Infinite Earth, so we'll let it slide. There's a house ad for the Outsiders with mostly silhouette figures of the team. Looks to be Jim Apero art. Really nice looking. Definitely would have had me interested in picking up the book. We have a a backup tale called Fish Out of Water, also written by Robert Kaniger, with art by Noli Zamora. And it's a really interesting story about the American troops trying to hide cans of fuel at the bottom of an oasis. And they're hiding them from Rommel, who catches on to what they're doing and decides to attack the oasis. But the the frogman, who has been assisting in hiding the cans of fuel at the bottom of the oasis, manages to booby trap it and blow them all up. And he heads off into the desert in just his boxer shorts, saying fighting fish out of water still can be dangerous. So I would assume the page that isn't pictured, he dies from exposure after stripping down to his underwear and heading out into the desert. There's a... a a really cool house ad for Batman The Dark Knight Returns now complete in one volume it's interesting to see an ad for an early trade and, right. and thinking thinking how groundbreaking that was for a, I remember seeing that in the bookstores in Walden Books and whatnot and thinking wow that's a comic here not right. just on the spinner rack
0: and it's not Elf Quest right Right, because that's what I think Walden Books, if they had anything in the in the early 80s, it was always seemed like it was a health quest.
1: The only thing I truly remember seeing there was like the Price guys. There was Overstreet, yep. and there was one other one that I can't remember the competitor, but they, I was like, these guys are not – they're no Overstreet. <laughs> and we get one more two-page story, two ways to die, and it certainly ties into what we were saying earlier where there was an awful lot of Vietnam going on because – Charlton did a lot more Vietnam stories than D.C., but uh, this is a two-page Vietnam story where a guy sacrifices himself to take out a, v- Vietnam, a V.C. patrol, I should say. And it's a little dark for a DC, a D.C. book where the guy jumps out of a helicopter with his busted arm. He can't, he can't throw a grenade, so he'll jump out of the helicopter after priming the grenade. I don't know why he couldn't just let it drop, but uh, he jumps out to deliver it himself to take out the VC patrol. But uh, it's it's a very fun fun story. Love seeing the Joe Kubert cover. It hurts my heart thinking how close we were to the end of the Sergeant Rock run at this point. And I and I knew he was in trouble. I knew we were in danger of cancellation. But I didn't. You just didn't know when it was going to come. Mm-hmm. And it it just I just love my Sarge. <laughs>
0: So uh, you know we ha- always have to go off topic a little bit. Um, I saw uh, what was it the the Qbert, was it daughter was going to be doing a book? Is that right? Or am I making that up? Emma Cubert. Yeah, 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 yeah. Was it's, it a granddaughter? That's, that's Joe's.
1: Gra- that's Joe's granddaughter. Okay, I granddaughter. granddaughter. I, don't I don't remember if it's Andy or Adams.
0: Daughter. Did you see that got canceled? I was really bummed because it was uh, she was doing Miss Fury. And it it never came out, and it finally got canceled. I got refunded for it uh, a few days ago.
1: Oh no, I didn't know. I hadn't noticed that.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I think I they solicited know. maybe two or three issues, and, and and it never never came, never came, and it must have gotten canceled. I was really bummed because I was excited to see her artwork. Yeah, I would love to get a Sergeant Rock
1: commission from her, and because I don't think I'll ever be able to afford anything from Joe.
0: All right.
1: Andy and Adam are probably out of a Mister Mom price league so emma may be my only hope at this point
0: <laughs> yeah that that was a good one kirk hey you, you guys had some pretty pretty good books top to bottom in this go around not that you don't always but i mean, like i, I really enjoyed everything tonight
2: we had well, a nice I'm... mix too uh, uh kirk you had a kind of a miscellaneous one and we both had war ones and and joe you had a western so that was a nice mix
0: yeah
1: well, we specialize stuff. in stuff off the beaten path.
0: Okay. Eh, I try to. I'll have to, uh, really off the wall, I know uh, uh, Mike hates manga. I'll have to look up some of the CMX stuff the the DC did at some point and do a, <laughs> do a manga just to really throw Mike for a loop.
1: <laughs> it would be um, curious as to whether he would follow up the recommendation on one of those because a lot of these, when you all read something that I haven't read, like like your gunfighters, I want to read that one. And yeah, now I it, want to, I, and Rob has me wanting to go back and reread the Unknown Soldier.
0: Right. A, I want to get the with next an adult issue.
1: perspective and not yep. just my teenage self going, that's not my Unknown Soldier.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, Mike recently read uh, uh, some manga. He was he was saying he read some Junji Ito and something else because uh, I think Halloween Comic Fest. So we can we can thank the Free Comic Book Day. Uh, committee for uh getting some manga into mike's hands and he actually <laughs> him actually enjoying it so that's that's cool <laughs> yeah
1: well manga is kind of a blind spot for me but it's not that i don't like it it's just that i like so many other things more
0: it, well it's just like anything else a lot of it's not written for guys my age and a lot of it's just not good you just gotta find what is good and what's for you right yeah. you know? i agree Yep. Well, I am going to go ahead and call it a night for me, guys. I had a great time, though, and uh, thank you both for uh, getting on here tonight.
2: Yeah, I know. Same here.
1: I'm glad to do it. I, I truly enjoy talking comics with you fellas. It's a highlight.
0: All right. Well, this was uh, DC Everything Else, uh, 122.20, and. Uh, Thank you, uh, everybody, for listening in. And, uh, Rob, do we have a catchphrase yet?
2: Uh, no, no. but if you if you can think of one, uh, go ahead. Uh,
1: well, <laughs> but, no no pressure, Joe. Just come up with something for the next episode. Yeah, I'll
0: come up with something uh, for the next episode. <laughs> hey, hey, tell everybody where, where y'all, y'all
1: can be found now. I'm on Twitter, at Big5Army.
0: I was Joe on Twitter.
2: And I'm uh, very, very inventively – Or imaginatively named Rob Krieger.
0: (laughs) All right. Thanks, guys. We'll see y'all later. (laughs) Thank you. Good night, fellas.